0: 902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers, like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company taproom opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. This week on the Wager Pager podcast. Chris and Brock welcome back James Alberino, the spread investor, to preview the upcoming NFL season. And Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. Old Man Who Bets, drops by the studio to talk gambling, fantasy football, and building a brand. And the guys will throw out some college football week one plays. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast. <laughs>
1: What's up guys and welcome back to the wager pager podcast where we talk about sports gambling make picks and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry this is season two episode two live from van Voors film studio in a rainy hoboken new jersey we got a great show in store for you guys today we got james alberino the spread investor calling in jeff sheesby aka old man who bets is dropping by live into the studio to talk about fantasy gambling and building brands this is the best time of the year right now, Brock. Football starting, Major League Baseball playoffs, basketball and hockey is going to be here soon. And here's my guy, my co-host, Brock Landers. You guys can follow him on Twitter at BrockLanders41. What's up, Brock?
2: Not much. Like you said, Chris, can't wait. We're getting into the point where we're almost here for Thursday Night Football to kick it off the season opener. Uh, can't wait. We had our little uh, dip last week of college, we got a little taste of that, and uh yeah, everybody went kind of crazy with Andrew Luck retiring. That really puts a whole different mix on the AFC, if you ask me.
1: Yes, yes, little tasty taste of the college football. That Andrew Luck uh, news broke right in the middle of the Miami-Florida game. People just losing their, their head over it. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I was shocked. I mean, you know what the thing was, too? I, I really was going to, if we went into football you know, last week with our futures and stuff like that, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm 100% honest, transparent. I had a Colts future Super Bowl. I had an MVP on Andrew Luck. It is what it is. That's that's what happens. It's part of the game. You, you don't expect it. And, you know, I, I hope uh, that he, he made the right choice. And uh, I think he, he has some great points in that press conference that the average person won't understand and will maybe, you know, say, oh, this guy's walking away from the game and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, Andrew, I, I think you did the right thing. You got to get your head right and... You know, really need to be in it 100%. Kind of sucks for the team. Uh, mm. I'm looking forward to see how they respond to that. I don't know. Maybe they're a professional team. I would assume a lot of that locker room doesn't check out. But there was certainly, uh, you know, AFC championship aspirations there, uh, especially in the AFC South. There's no reason why they couldn't go far, you know. I agree, man. I mean, I respect the decision.
1: You got to. I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy. The only thing I would say is like two weeks before the season,
2: yeah, the timing—the timing is really strange. It really is. And you know, he had a couple of years. What was that? Two years ago, where it was always kind of a, "What's the status this week? What's going on this week?" And they kind of just dragged it out the entire year. And Jacoby played the rest of that season or whatever that was. But yeah, it's really shocking, especially too. You're in—you're in training camp, preseason. You're into that—that that mode of getting ready for the NFL season. You know, two weeks away here, and now you're going through a major, major. Quarterback change.
1: I've been hearing some rumors bouncing around the old Twitter machine. Maybe Andrew Luck to the XFL, his father's new league. What? You caught me off guard there. What the hell is
2: that supposed to mean? No, I mean, people are,
1: are, you know. Is are that like, legitimate? These are like conspiracy theories. but people are saying, like, what if he's going to go play oh, in the XFL because his father's
2: the commissioner? I See, I didn't even know that.
1: Wow. It's, I think it's mainly a joke. But what about the other rumors that people think are, are serious about Eli Manning to the Colts? Really? That's rumored out there too. People are writing articles about it and See, shit. Like, I, I don't know if it's just like wishful thinking or whatnot, but I wish they would send them. Daniel Jones,
2: baby. I don't. Daniel Scones. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't subscribe to that stuff anymore. I don't know. I don't. I hardly look at you know rumor mill type stuff like that. If I was you know sixteen again, I'd probably be all over it and be like, wow, that's crazy. You might go to the Colts.
1: Yeah, man, this Andrew Luck thing is crazy. I guess there's going to be no more Captain Andrew Luck on Twitter.
2: Dearest mother, no more. (laughs) Here we go. Well, Chris, we've got Labor Day weekend rapidly approaching summer coming to a close. However, we've got The real college football, week one, this weekend, ton of games on. Have you made any plays yet?
1: Yeah, it's a bittersweet feeling, you know, the end of the summer, but it's the beginning of the football season, so my favorite time of year, Brock. I got a couple plays I'm looking at here um, in college football this week. The first one I'm looking at is uh, Friday night, August 30th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern in Reno, Nevada. We have Purdue favored 11 points on the road versus the Nevada Wolfpack. This Nevada team is tough, Brock. They know how to win. Last season, they beat Oregon State. They they were up 31-7 early in the half when they came back to win. They beat a good Hawaii team, which we saw perform again last week. They won their bowl game against Arkansas State. They had tough games against really good Boise State and Fresno State teams, but they were right in those games both times. I love redshirt freshman QB Carson Strong. He's gotten rave reviews all throughout camp. Teammates have been impressed with him. The underclassman's poise so far. And they do have Florida State transfer Malik Henry, just in case anything happens with Strong. I love third-year coaches. Coach Jay Norvell is in his third year. He's had conversations with Mike Leach during the offseason about the air raid. Leach created the air raid offense with Al Hume, whose son Matt is now Nevada's offensive coordinator. And he's incorporated much of the air raid into Nevada's offense, and this is something I love. Purdue hasn't traveled this far for a road game in over 10 years, and this might be a rough spot for them playing in the Nevada Heat. Give me Nevada plus 11.
2: All right. I really like the analysis there and the uh, the handicapping. I'll, I'll be sure to look at that game a little bit more closely. But let's go to another game, Chris, here uh, that I've got, and I'm probably going to catch some some flack for this uh, on Twitter, because I'm going to be giving out a stale number, unfortunately. But... Uh, I have all my accounts up here looking at at games that I bet so far for college football. Let's go over to game 187, uh, Virginia Tech, minus three. Uh, Currently, line moved in my favor. We're up to VT minus five. Uh, This thing gets maybe to six. Might go the other way with it. See what we can do there. Try to catch a little middle.
1: A little middle opportunity, huh?
2: Yep. Uh, Again, Play numbers, that's that's the best thing uh, that you can do in the long term is to beat the number, and uh, feeling pretty good right now about this Virginia Tech minus three, seeing it at minus five right now.
1: Love that vatech Tech play. I've heard some people online talking about that all week, some very respected handicappers.
2: The next game I'm looking at here
1: is also on Friday night. Uh, like I said, I never look at the schedule or the times. I just pick these games, and I guess there's two on Friday night alike. I'm looking at the Wisconsin-South Florida game, Friday, August 30th, 7 p.m. Eastern, played in Tampa, Florida. This line opened at 11. Sharp money pounded up to 13-14, and now it's coming back down to 12-and-a-half. That makes me think there's some big money on both sides here. That's why I feel comfortable going with South Florida, plus 12-and-a-half. I love QB Blake Barnett. He's an Alabama transfer. They have a veteran offensive line in front of them, decent talent around him. He only played 10 games last year, but threw for 2,700 yards with 61% completion rate. Coach Charlie Strong, don't get me wrong, I don't love Charlie Strong, but he's also in his third year on the sidelines. Like I said before, I love third-year coaches. He has a mark of 17-8 and right now with South Florida, a lot better than he did at Texas. And USF has had only one home opener loss since 2001. Maybe a little sprinkle-sprinkle there on the money line sitting at plus 370. Now, if you look at the weather, it's going to be 85 degrees at kickoff with 90% humidity, chances of thunderstorms, Hurricane Dorian is in effect, so to all the betters out there, please pay close attention to any games being played in the state of Florida. These Wisconsin kids are not used to that kind of heat, Brock. USF will need to contain Jonathan Taylor, who is probably the best running back in the nation, but I think they have a decent chance to contain him and give me South Florida plus 12.5.
2: Yeah, Chris, I mean, that's a, that's a great point you make with the weather. Uh, for for young handicappers out there getting used to this type of stuff and, and looking to break down games, you got to look at those weather reports, weather changes, totals drop. Uh, also, too, you mentioned in that game, uh, a lot of market manipulation. Unfortunately, that's part of sports gambling. You're going to see a lot of head fakes. You're going to see a lot of buy it up to a certain number and then buy it all the way back down, and that's the right side. You want to watch out for that double move. Uh, the last move is the correct move, is what they usually say. Um, but again, it can change. It's sports gambling. You got to really pay attention to those lines as they move. I've got one more for you to go through. This one's for the. Uh those people that wake up Saturday and they want to bet maybe one of those first games on the board. I'm looking at the uh, game number 171, Toledo taking on Kentucky. Uh, I think this is a great spot here for Toledo. I'm taking them plus the 12. Uh, I know it opened at 13 and a half, and I do see some books at 12, some at 11 and a half. So that hopefully is a good direction that we've got a, a good solid number there at 12. Uh, who knows? Maybe this thing gets down a little bit more. Cheer on the underdog, 12 o'clock. Uh, that, that's the way I would play that game.
1: Hey, Brock, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, they say great minds think alike, and maybe that's why we uh, host a podcast together because I was trying to lift up my laptop and show you right there in the middle of your second. Yeah, there it is. Yep. That's my next game too, man.
2: Gotcha. Toledo I plus 12. I beat you to 12. the punch. Okay. I
1: love it. I mean, if we're both on, we might have to, you know, ramp it up a little bit. I love it. I even love the plus 340 maybe even on the money line. I was taking a look at the Jeff Sagrin power rankings. I might sound like a dinosaur right now, but I do like to focus on power rankings. Uh, This thing is off. Sagrin says Kentucky's only like four to five points better than Toledo, so why the extra touchdown? Why plus 12? Kentucky loses defensive end Josh Allen and running back Benny Snell to the NFL, and Kentucky is looking to follow up on one of the program's most successful years ever, 10 wins. I'm looking for a little regression. In 2015, Toledo beat Arkansas, another low-level SEC program, 34-20 on opening week. This game seems very similar to me. Toledo does have a high-flying offense, best in the MAC. Kentucky's defense is on the decline this year. And Toledo boasts Kentucky transfer running back Bryant Kobach. Maybe a little revenge factor on his mind. He had 192 yards last year versus Kansas. They have a two-headed monster in the backfield. Look for Shaquille Seymour, who can also get it done. I like what I saw last year from QB Mitch Guadini. The kid can sling it. Me and Brock, we're both on Toledo plus 12. Take it to the bank.
2: All right, Chris, that does it for me uh, as far as the the college goes as of right now. If I do get some more information, feel free to follow me on Twitter at BrockLanders41. If I see some crazy last-minute information come in and maybe one of those lines gets out of whack, uh, you might see me buy off the game or something like that. Take it as it comes. Things change all the time in the sports gambling world.
1: Yes, the pager plays. Definitely keep track of us on Twitter at The Wager Pager. You can follow me at Chris. And before we end this segment, I'm going to throw one bonus play out there. Just throw it up on the wall here. I don't normally bet big favorites, but since it's week one, a lot of these big time favorites do cover. It. And I noticed that Ohio State ticked down to under 28 at, at FanDuel, at least here in New Jersey. They're at minus 27 and a half versus FAU. I see them winning by at least 35. They always blow people out week one. Not an official play, a bonus play. Ohio State, minus 27 and a half. And that's it for our pick segment this week. We'll be back next week picking college
2: and pro games. Get pumped, get psyched, cash some tickets, and we can't wait to see you back here next week on the Wager Pager podcast.
1: All right guys, we're super excited for this week's guest. He's our first three-time guest on the wager pager podcast. He's one of my favorite handicappers. He crushed it in NBA finals. I tailed him and won a ton of fucking money. You may know him from his appearances on VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, or his weekly spot on JJ After Dark on WFAN New York, or you may just be one of his nearly 28,000 followers on the Twitter machine. Here he is, guys, James Alberino from the Spread Investor. What's up, Spread?
2: Welcome back to the show.
3: Chris, Brock, good to be on here, my man. How we doing?
2: We're doing good. We're, we're excited that football is finally here. It seems like it comes around quicker and quicker every year. Um, we, we got our feet wet last week with a little college football. Uh, did you play anything last week? Looking forward to anything this week?
3: I did. I had the first quarter under in Florida-Miami that fell right on 10, so I got a refund on that. I had small ticket on Florida, minus 7, and uh, Miami played a really good game, and then I had a little bit of money on Hawaii in the late game. Hawaii plus eleven came through, and uh, money line was good in that game as well. So that was a fun one. We're staying up till 1:32 uh, a.m. on the East
1: Coast. No doubt. You guys can follow Spread at Spread Investor on Instagram and Twitter. Let me ask you, what were your thoughts on Andrew Luck's retirement and how it affected the betting market?
3: You know, when Schefter tweet- tweeted it out, I couldn't believe that it was real. It felt like, you know, when you get the news that someone iconic passes away not to compare the severity of those two situations that's not fair but I mean shit it felt like it like when you got that news I was sitting I was watching the college games I'm like oh like Andrew Luck is done from the game like I couldn't believe it and also too the rehab and all the details that came out of it afterwards and and you know when, when he starts painting a picture of just how much his body had to go through over the last couple of years, you start realizing how bad it was. Whereas this year, his rehab was under the radar all off season. We had no idea that his body would this beat up the cast. are like, all right, no big deal. They're just holding him out of camp because he doesn't need any time. And then it just becomes real. and hits you like that. I mean, it's really all I could talk about legitimately for the next 24 to 36 hours after it broke.
2: Anything uh, that you could even compare that to? I mean, looking back at previous years in any sport, I mean, anything at all? I mean,
3: I got a couple years on you guys, but Barry Sanders, like, that I I was a little too young even, too. But um, Barry Sanders, I mean, that was obviously huge. I mean, Michael Jordan retiring in the NBA before he eventually came back. Like, there have been news bombs like this that have happened and definitely the ones that were completely out of nowhere. Uh, This is just one of them. And when it comes, you're shocked and it hits you out of left field.
2: So, so James, uh, heading into the NFL season here, for the people that really aren't familiar with your background as far as your your sports betting and stuff like that, we do try to help and encourage on this show. And I know that you have been to FanDuel a couple times, and I've certainly frequent there a lot. And there's a lot of rookie mistakes I see. Uh, w- what's pretty much going into a fresh season of football? what's your best advice for somebody that's maybe just starting out wants to to try to get more involved what what advice would you give them going into this year
3: I think with anybody starting to bet I think they have to realize that they can't uh, get their emotions too high or too low which is a lot easier said than done I think they have to realize you know it, it, it if you're new and you don't know what you're doing they You got to avoid the temptation of betting games because they're on TV or, you know, you're betting on your own team that you're a fan of or yeah, just playing stupid parlays that have a really slim chance of hitting or betting bad numbers, you know, playing a favorite at minus three and a half when you can get them at minus three, like basic textbook things that people have to pick up on and realize uh that just sets you up for a good attitude toward approaching the games because the game's hard enough as it is if you're picking these games level-headed, but if you're a little all over the place and, and you're you know, not fundamentally sound as a better. Um, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball.
1: Yeah, speaking of uh, FanDuel and the 19-team card parlay players and all that, <laughs> there's some crazy characters out there, huh, guys?
3: Oh, man. I mean... There are a lot of neighborhoods in Jersey, and a lot of different people from a lot of different neighborhoods in Jersey go there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, let's get down to uh, some shop talk here, the real reason why we brought in the Spread Investor this week. We're going to do a little bit of an NFL preview here, pick Spread's brains about the conferences, the divisions, maybe his uh, Super Bowl champion. Let's kick it off here in the uh, AFC East. Who are you looking at to take the AFC East? We know you're probably going to say the Patriots, but does anyone else have a chance to take them out?
3: Obviously, New England the pick. New England the pick for as long as Belichick and Brady are around. Uh, I do think the Jets and Bills have improved a lot from last year. The Jets, they have a slight weakness at corner right now, but they added pass rushing. Uh, Clinton Williams at defensive tackle. Ja'Kai Kawhi, C.J. Mosley. Uh, Darnold's going to progress in his second year. Olivia Bell and Crowder. Ty Montgomery around them. there's a lot of talent there. and Buffalo's got a really stable defense. They're really good defensively. So, um, I think just in terms of betting wise, just against the spread, I think there's definitely spots where the Jets and Bills had value. And uh, one bet that I like, and uh, I agree with this with a couple of handicappers that I talked to uh, New England Patriots plus 325 to win the AFC. Um, you know, their, their chances of getting to the AFC championship game are very good. And you might as well take a stab while you had at least 3-1 to one on them in the beginning of
2: the year. Obviously, uh, the big story I feel like in the AFC this year, other than Gronk retiring and other than Luck retiring, uh, is the Cleveland Browns. They're the sexy team. The odds dropped uh, you know, significantly once the OBJ trade happened. What's your feelings on that division, James? Is there any value there in the Steelers, you think, or possibly the Ravens who made the playoffs last year, or even the Bengals with a new head coach?
3: I do think the Steelers have value in this division. I think there's been overreaction to Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell leading the team. You know Antonio Brown, um, you know obviously big numbers, but Juju Smith-Schuster had 111 receptions last year, and James Washington's going to get a lot of targets too. He's been great in preseason, and Le'Veon Bell didn't play a snap for them last year. So James Connor stepped in, 1400 plus yards from scrimmage, and Should be set up for a good season this year, too. They have good defense. They added Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. They have a really good pass rush. And I think this is the type of team that they're going to be better with less expectations. Uh, Cleveland Browns have a ton of talent. Uh, Defensively, they're going to bull rush a lot of teams. Week one, I think they'll beat up on Tennessee's offensive line. Um, Obviously, offensively, they have a ton of talent as well. Offensive line... There are a couple questions with them, and they got beat up last week versus the Bucks. Offensive line was on their back a good amount in that game, and the right guard replacement for Kevin Zeitler isn't performing as well as the Browns had expecting him expected him to perform. And um, they've got a little bit of work to do on the offensive line. So that's one thing that you have to look at with this team because if there's anything that could derail a lot of talent in the NFL. It is a weak offensive line, so it's definitely something to monitor. And they get three primetime games in the first five weeks of the season, so we'll definitely have them uh, right, in, ready in the spotlight.
1: Tremendous stuff as usual from James Alberino from the Spread Investor. You guys can follow him at Spread Investor. Let's uh, shift our focus to the suddenly wide open AFC South. Houston Texans, are they going to get a running back? People are high on the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. The Nick Foles in the full with that killer defense. Tennessee Titans, Derek Henry was on fire the second half of last season, and the Colts now sitting at plus 460. Any value there spread?
3: Yeah, I immediately felt that there was an overreaction to the Colts in the marketplace, and yeah, you realize that you're doing this full-time when the Andrew Luck news prompts you to think automatically, okay, how can I make money off of this, instead of just soaking in the fact that Andrew Luck just retired from the NFL. But Sunday morning, I woke up, total dropped from nine and a half to six and a half. I thought that that was a big overreaction and that the over was a good play there. I put a little bit of money on it, but not enough where not, not as much as I want to. That, that number moved up quickly to seven and a half. And I think it has a lot to do with the, the talent around the Colts roster. They have a lot of good offensive weapons. The best offensive line that the Colts have had is Peyton Manning was in his prime. Andrew Luck was beat up from a bad offensive line in 2016. When Jacoby Brissett started in 2017, they had a terrible offensive line. They drafted two really big offensive linemen early last year. Um, they just got so much better in the offensive line and the skill players: Ebron, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Devin Funches, Jack Doyle. Good defense. Uh, Leonard in the middle. It's you know, there's definitely value I would say with them. Uh, The Texans, I'm curious to see what they do. I think they need help at left tackle. I would love to see them get Trent Williams. Trent Williams with those skilled players. Deshaun Watson, that would be scary. And I think the Jaguars are loaded with talent on the defensive side of the ball. They have so much talent in the front seven, so much speed. Josh Allen next to Miles Jack is going to be scary. Calais Campbell uh, is a very, very good defensive team with low expectations now. I think that will help them. Nick Foles will obviously help that offense. Uh, they just have questions a little bit on the offensive line, too. Uh, Titans, I think that they're falling out towards the, the bottom of the AFC South. Um, Taylor Lewan, their left tackle, starting left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the league. He suspended four games. That news just broke yesterday. So I think Tennessee could struggle out of the gate, and their offensive line looked pretty pretty weak in the preseason.
2: After hearing all that, uh, I probably shouldn't burn my 17-1 to uh, Colts Super Bowl champion tickets yet.
3: No, man. No. Uh, you should do what that kid in that Twitter video did where he's like pretending to burn the, the luck jersey and then he just flips the sign and says, thank you. <laughs> Pretend to burn your ticket and then hold it up and just be like, no, nope, I'm going to let this ride out.
2: I feel much better, much better. Uh, We'll go in now to the AFC West. Uh, Patrick Mahomes took the league by storm last year, uh, went all the way to the AFC Championship game, fell up short to the Patriots uh, on a Sunday night there up in Arrowhead. Uh, Looking to that division this year. The Chargers are right behind him. The Broncos' new head coach, Joe Flacco, is there. And now we've got the Oakland Raiders with a lot of hype from Hard Knocks and the move to Vegas coming next year.
3: Yeah, it's the Chiefs' division, and they dodged a bullet with Tariq Hill, not being suspended. Chargers loaded with talent, too, and they got better on defense. Uh, Getting Tillery, the defensive tackle from Notre Dame. They got Thomas Davis, linebacker, uh, veteran, obviously, with the Carolina Panthers. Derwin James, if he was healthy, that would obviously help them a lot more. But the Chargers, they're stable, even without Melvin Gordon. They'll be good. Uh, but the, the Chiefs—they got a lot better on defense. Spagnola should help that defense. Definitely a good defensive coordinator, experience, won a Super Bowl with the Giants. Uh, they got Reggie Ragland, um, Frank Clark to help the pass rush. Uh, Tyron Matthew. There's they, a good defense now. And uh, Raiders—they—they they definitely improved talent-wise. The hard knocks distraction is definitely difficult. And they play seven games at the 1 p.m. Eastern time slot. And, you know, I don't care who you are. That affects your body. It, it, it's weird to play three hours earlier than normal. Uh, they haven't done well historically in the spot. Four and 21 straight up. The last 25 instances in that spot. So, you know, I think they'll be competitive this year. I think they definitely want to go into Vegas with some swag. I just think that, you know, the odds are stacked against them, but truthfully speaking. Um I think as an organization, they could afford to punt on this year and not particularly win and be at a peak level as long as they're set up to win in big. That's all I care about. Um, And the Broncos' defense is going to be great under Vic Fangio. Uh, Offensively, Joe Flacco has a ceiling and there's a lot of question marks at the skill position. Um, Offensive line isn't the strongest either.
1: All right, Brad, we're putting you on the spot here. Who's your pick to go to the AFC Championship game?
3: Take New England. I think New England, obviously for the offense, but defensively they're really good this year. I'll take the, the Patriots plus 325, and I'll have them. Oof, I would love to see a, a patriots Chiefs rematch because everybody deserves a rematch of that. Why can't it happen? Uh, I, I'll say the Chiefs. I do think those are the two best teams. Um, but the Steelers will be right up there. Uh, but let's go New England versus Kansas City, part two.
1: Yeah, I agree. With, uh, I agree with the Pittsburgh. They're flying under the radar, but I, as you and me, and I'm sure Brock as well, agrees. We all wish we saw Patrick Mahomes get his hands on that ball in overtime.
3: Oh man, they would have won that game. Need to see another rematch before Brady's done.
1: No doubt, one hundred percent spread. All right, guys, let's uh, shift gears here and move over to the NFC sides of things. Let's kick it off in the NFC North. We got the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Lions. Who's your pick to take the division?
3: I like the Packers in this division. I think it'll be close with them and the Vikings. Bears are loaded with talent, uh, but uh, Bears, yeah, you know, I think they're gonna have a little bit of a hangover effect from last year with the way everything ended with Cody Parkey. And I think that uh, regression-wise, they're set up for that defensively. They just had such ridiculous numbers defensively, plus 12 turnover margin. Um, Vic Fangio is now in Denver. Uh, Packers added five new starters on defense. Uh, The Darius Smith, Preston Smith, they had a good secondary with J.R. Alexander. Uh, Curious to see what Matt LaFleur is going to do with this offense, but I'm confident that They'll take it in the right direction, and Rodgers could really create, especially if he's healthy now. Vikings definitely improved on the offensive line. They'll have a really good running game with Dalvin Cook healthy. Defensively, they're always strong. Um, the Lions have a ton of talent. It's going to be, man, is Matt Patricia going to make the right uh, head coaching calls? Last year, there were times where he kicked the field goal on fourth and one from – I you was know, 33. He was very conservative as a, a head coaching game. So I'm curious to see what he does there, but I got the Packers winning this uh with, with the Vikings in a very close second.
2: What what was your uh, your feelings uh on the the movement shift which was very strange with the Mitch Trubisky MVP stuff? Are you aware of that story that broke out of Vegas uh, a couple months ago?
3: His odds well, on, on the MVP they dropped like crazy, right? Yeah, they
2: went from like 100 to 1 to 50 to 1 or something like that.
3: That, wow! I didn't know it was that big of a drop. That's wild. What did, What did they find out? For, like, what was the the main reason? Did someone just drop big money on Mitch Trubisky? I,
2: I think that's what the overall you know thing was. I mean, it, it's hard to not kind of respect that, but also at the same time, it's like, do we really expect him to, to really win the MVP? I mean, what, what's your feelings yeah, on that? I
3: mean, look, uh, there are people. Look, it could be a wealthy Chicago Bears fan who's in Vegas for a bachelor party, and yeah. You know, there are people that will just drop money like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to go there and I'm going to bet, you know, $2,000 on this profit. They'll take it. And, you know, like the book in that case, then all they're doing is just mitigating risk. Like they can't afford to, it doesn't mean that they think it's going to win. It's just why would they expose themselves to another hundred to one bet? Right. Even at a few hundred bucks when they have tens of thousands of dollars risked on this schmuck from Chicago.
2: <laughs> right. Right. So we'll look now to the next division uh, going actually into the, uh, the NFC East. Uh, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles with a healthy uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, hopefully that's the story there uh, after last year's uh, up-and-down Eagles team that still made the playoffs. Uh, then you have the Cowboys, the Zeke stuff going on. Uh, the Giants kind of in a, a rebuild, not rebuild with Eli there. And then the Washington Redskins that are just kind of sitting there going through the motions. What, what's your feelings on that division?
3: Well, the Eagles are obviously loaded defensively, offensively, a lot of talent. Miles Sanders, he's going to be flashy out of the backfield. Deshaun Jackson just broke his finger, if you so, saw yesterday, so he might be out a couple weeks. Uh, but this team could, could run a uh, good offensive line. They're, they're clearly ahead of every team in, in the division. Cowboys have a great defense, building off of last year, ton of pass rushers, good secondary. Um, Zeke, let's see what he does. Uh the backup, the kid from Memphis Pollard, he's good. He's just, he, he, he can't block NFL linebackers. So you look at his frame, he, he's just not built to block NFL linebackers that are going to be blitzing and rushing A-gap. Uh, so they do need Zeke there. Giants, you know, Giants are, they're towing two different lines. Are we going to keep going with Eli and stretch him out for the whole year if he performs pretty well? Or are we going to, hand this baby over to Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is making every case for the Giants to hand the ball over to him. I just think if the Giants are going to give him the ball. They're going to do it after week six, when they go to new England, uh, they're going to new England on a short week on a Thursday. And then the two weeks after that, they play Arizona and Detroit. I think those are two good spots. If you do put Jones in, give him the ball there on 10 days prep against inferior competition. Um, The Redskins are in the basement. Uh, A lot of questions on the offensive line. Eric Flowers starting at left guard and Donald Penn at left tackle. Donald Penn, you know, maybe three, four years ago, I'd be a little bit more confident in this move. 36, is he going to last 16 games? That's a question. Or is he a Band-Aid? It's the Eagles division. Uh, God willing, Carson Wentz stays healthy because – they have questions that back up and they would need to rely on Josh McCallum who just, and they just brought off the street.
2: Uh, based on on that analysis, uh, safe to say Jay Gruden fired before I would take a flyer. Season?
3: I would take a small bet on that for him to be the first head coach. The other part of this too is, look, Case Keenum does not get enough respect. Like Case Keenum got destroyed in Denver. Reality is he took the Minnesota Vikings to the NFC Championship the year prior. He was under a good system that coached him up. Denver's offense sucked. Uh, I, I mean, what, that was terrible. That coaching there was so bad. Vance Joseph is not an offense. He was horrific. Uh, so people beat up Case Keenan for having a bad offensive line in front of him, not many great skill players, and a shitty, shitty offensive head coach. Um, I think you you know Jay Gruden is a good offensive line. That is one thing. So I, I think they do have pieces. It's just like what's their identity, man? Like can can guys stay healthy for 16 games? Then they got Adrian Peterson who's like seven games away from potentially retiring. Like what is their identity? I don't know. Is Jordan Reed going to be able to play? Like there's just so many questions. That's the thing. If they all stay completely healthy and Donald Penn surpasses with the expectations of a 36 year old left tackle can do, then he has a chance to survive. But I'm just saying there's a lot of odds that are stacked against him that they would have to overcome. and I'm you know sure you agree on those.
1: I love what I'm hearing here, spread, especially the Daniel Jones stuff. I really uh, hope we get to see this kid sooner rather than later. Let's uh, switch our focus here now to the NFC South. We got the Saints that uh, ended their season in crushing fashion last year. We got the Falcons with Matty Ice. You never know what you're going to get from him. Carolina Panthers sneak maybe uh, sneaky good this year. You got uh Cam little little banged up, but they say he's gonna be ready for week one. McCaffrey's always good. And Tampa Bay. I'm kinda high on Tampa Bay. Is that a value play there? Ten to one?
3: You know, Tampa Bay's got a little bit of offensive issues right now, but they are loaded at so many different spots. And they got an aggressive defense. Todd Bowles is coaching them up to be really aggressive in the front seven. Um a lot of talent in there, and they had talent for years on this defense, even though Gerald McCoy left. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of talent that wasn't coached up properly by Dirk Cutter's staff. That's just the reality of it. And Bruce Arians, I think he could coach Jameis Winston up. It, it, it's going to depend how much he gets hit, though, because he, he doesn't do well in the rest. I think Arians will help him in that area, but there's just so much you he can help a guy who's always constantly being pressured uh he's gonna have to get the ball into mike evans and oj howard's hands but uh if the o-line gels by mid-season you're seeing them make noise um since like you said coming up that mess hangover. how do they start out of this game man they they don't start seasons off very fast to begin with it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see how they come out week one monday night football versus texans
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And to finish up here in the uh, NFC, the NFC West, uh, you've got the defending NFC champs, the Los Angeles Rams, who we last saw in the Super Bowl. Uh, we've also got the Seattle Seahawks there. Uh, they've got a new look there with Russell Wilson and, and some guys still there, but uh, no Doug Baldwin, another year of Pete Carroll. Uh, and then you've got the San Francisco 49ers, a healthy Jimmy G. Hopefully they can kickstart their season. And uh, finishing up there at the Arizona Cardinals, you got a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. What's your feelings on the NFC West?
3: Yeah, I think the 49ers have a very high ceiling with all the talent that they have offensively, defensively. Rams, obviously, they'll be right up there. They lost two interior offensive linemen, though, the Rams. And Jared Goff under pressure up the middle. not as effective as he normally is. And the Rams, they don't have C.J. Anderson anymore. And and let's see what Todd Gurley is going to do now. Um, the Rams as an offense averaged 10.4 points per game less on the road last year than they did at home. Yeah. You get, get them in some situations where they have more competition. Now the 49ers going to be better than they were last year. And the Rams, they're they not going to have two cupcakes over the 49ers anymore. And Rams will be tested. Rams got to go at Cleveland for a Sunday night game early. That'll be a really tough spot. Um, I think the 49ers can make noise. Um, Seahawks I think people are, are very bearish on them but Russell Wilson could always overcome a lot of things on paper that don't look good for them and I think they still do have talent defensively enough where they could win games with some of the, the talent and, and game changers that they have on offense uh, Tyler Lockett I think will step up in a, in a big way The run game they'll have pretty good production Arizona just you know Kingsbury, is not proven. He wasn't a winner in college. He had Pat Mahomes. He had a losing record. Uh, not to say that if he had talent on both sides of the ball, a lot of it in a lot of different areas, that he would be a losing care coach in the NFL. That's not true. But he doesn't have all the talent on both sides of the ball that he needs. They're weak on the offensive line. they run defense. Uh, Swiss cheese teams are running through in the preseason. So let's see what he does. Kyle Murray's obviously going to be very, very explosive and exciting to watch. Uh, he does have talent around him. Um, but this is uh, this is the 49ers' chance to win the division this year, if, if all clicks.
1: Once again, guys, you're listening to James Albarino from The Spread Investor. You can follow him on Twitter, at Spread Investor. All right, gun to head, NFC Championship game. Who you got?
3: I've got the... Green Bay Packers against wow. the Los Angeles Rams. All right.
1: Super Bowl
2: matchup?
3: Green Bay, Kansas City. Kansas City takes
2: it. That'd be fun. That'd be like a real offensive shootout, I feel like. That oh, would be, be great.
3: great.
2: After uh, last year's defensive uh, and offensive struggles.
3: Yeah, I think I took a nap in the beginning of the third quarter. Yeah, I don't <laughs> blame you. I don't
2: blame you. At least a lot of those under props hit. That was good.
1: Guys, we're super lucky to have the spread investor here talking NFL with us. I know you mentioned um, that you had a little action on the Colts, on the over since all the Andrew Luck stuff. Anything else sticking out at you in terms of win totals?
3: I like the Steelers over nine. Touched on that before. Uh, I like the Jets over seven. It might be seven and a half in some books now. But I think they have a really nice schedule on the back end. Uh, they got a stretch of six games that they have a good shot of winning at least five of them. They play the Dolphins twice, the Redskins, the Bengals, Giants, and I believe the Raiders are in there. And uh, I have some money on the Redskins under six wins.
1: All right, spread. Before we let you go, there's no games this week in the NFL, so nothing to really break down. Let me ask you, you got any big plans for uh, Week One?
3: Week One NFL. Yeah. Um. I'm looking at the over in San Francisco, Tampa Bay, which is 49 or 49 and a half right now. Um, I'm also looking at uh, the Colts plus seven and a half at the Chargers. I think that's a big overreaction. And probably one of my favorite players of the league. I like the Carolina Panthers plus three at home versus the Rams. I believe we've discussed this trend before, but Super Bowl losers in week one the following year, 2-12-2 against the spread the last 16 years. But not just a, a play blindly on the trend. That's novice. Uh, mentioned before, the Rams have two new interior defensive uh, offensive linemen. Panthers beefed up the defensive line. Uh, they've got McCoy and, and Irvin there now uh, next to a, a really stable group on the front seven. Um, I think they could get to Jared Goff and, uh, I think the Panthers now can confirmed healthy. I think the Panthers will have a good shot in week one.
2: Awesome stuff, James. It was great having you on here. Uh, great to talk to you before we head out here and, and close the interview, um, for somebody that's looking to bet NFL, um, do you look for more situations? Do you look for more stats? Do you follow more line moves? What's kind of your, you know, what what would your recipe be to try to get to to the window and cash some tickets in the NFL?
3: You know, every game is different. Some games are more numbers-based or trends-based, and other games you have to use a little bit of your intuition if there's an emotion or a situation that it teams in. Um, you know, I, I truly do, I believe that every game is different and unique in its own way, and I think that every game you kind of got to solve the puzzle and figure out which information and what stat- statistics are the most relevant for this particular game?
1: Right on, spread. You're going out to Vegas with the SGP guys. Shout out to our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast.
3: Yeah, man, those are those are fun guys. I was drinking with them during March Madness. We were out in Vegas too. Those are those guys know how to have a good time. And I'll be out there next week for a couple of days with them. So definitely looking forward to that. And it's a good time out there in the beginning of the year.
1: Oh, man, I wish I could join you. All right, guys, uh, that's James Alberino from the Spread Investor. He's the guy we like to lean on when it comes to the NFL and NBA. He's one of my favorite followers on Sports Gambling Twitter. You can follow him at Spread Investor. Dude, we'd love to have you back anytime and come in sometime and record live in the studio.
3: Absolutely, guys. Let's do it again, and uh, I'll see you guys over in Jersey soon.
2: Sounds good. Great to have you.
3: All right, guys. Talk soon.
1: All right, guys, this interview with Old Man Who Bets is brought to you by our sponsor, 902 Brewing Company, located in Jersey City, New Jersey. I'm sipping on Quantum Mechanics Pale Ale. It's a 6.2 ABV, a pale ale twice dry hopped with calculated functions of amarillo, azacaca, and laurel hops. What are you sipping on, Jeff?
4: I've got a uh, premier beer here, a little single hop Eldorado. Uh, delicious is an understatement, brewed with two-row wheat, oats, oh, a touch of crystal. And rotating single hop, of course, uh, 7.0 ABV, and man, it
2: feels good on the palate. Yeah, especially after a long day, and I'll tell you what, this uh, India Pale Ale Hop Flurry, really good, and it's actually made with lactose and vanilla. Uh, this IPA was brewed with lactose and vanilla and double dry hopped with citra and El Dorado. 902 Brewing. All right, guys, we are super pumped
1: up about this week's guest. It's actually our first in-studio live featured guest you may know him from his appearances on the Blitz pod, CBS New York, or from his feed on Gambling Twitter. He is Old Man Who Bets. Young Whippersnappers. A.K.A. Jeff Sheesby. You can follow him at Old Man Who Bets on Twitter and IG. What's up, man? Welcome to the Wager
2: Pager. Hey, thanks for having me in. Studio's looking great. Let's talk life. So, Jeff, pretty much we start every interview here with uh, when we want to try to get to know who our guest is a little bit more. Why don't you tell the people pretty much how you started sports betting and and where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think sports
4: betting for me was kind of just a natural uh, maturation or progression from fantasy sports. uh, Looking for something not on the player side of things, but, you know, on the team side of things. So, uh, you know, greatly influenced by older brother, uh, big sports better as well. Uh, And then from there, it's just kind of like, all right, I, I love this data thing. I love this sports thing. Let's see if we can put it together and maybe make some make some money. Did you have a college bookie? I did not have a college bookie. <laughs> uh, I guess I was a late bloomer in that side, but I was also a super poor college kid saving all my ten dollars for that keg and natty ice. So <laughs> I didn't have much money to win or lose at that point. So I figured I just reinvested in those hops.
1: Right on. Uh, what type of handicapper would you say that you are? Like, do you have a process?
4: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, process kind of depends on sport. I think uh, in terms of preferences, certainly prefer kind of uh, high-volume sports. That's going to be your college basketballs and your baseballs, specifically. I um, just love kind of the, the addition of added data points and kind of easier to find, you know, stat-sig like trends. Uh, you know, when we think about the NFL, we got 16 games, you know, is that ever statistically significant? You know, I think with the, the parity year in and year out of one team's great, and then they're terrible, Yada 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 uh kind of makes the unpredictability a little bit of a disadvantage whereas you know with 162 games in baseball we can kind of you know figure out what's working and why it's working and then try to exploit that
2: smaller sample size right yeah so pretty much uh, a lot of people will always try to when they're starting out with sports gambling a lot of people ask when do i bet do i bet 10 minutes before the game goes off do i bet 2 weeks before you know at a football game games of the year do i touch those type of things can you go a little bit into, like, your process? Do you, are you somebody that, you know, waits for the overnight lines to come out? Like, w- how do you kind of attack the board?
4: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think, you know, a pretty hot topic these days on, on gambling Twitter of closing line value. Um, you know, certainly I think it's very valuable to, to beat the movement. Um, you know, me doing this as kind of a hobby more than anything else. I'm not able to dedicate 12 hours a day to watching line movements and things along those lines. So uh, I wake up in the morning, I check out some lines. Uh, I then try to find, you know, some time during the day to, you know, carve out and see where the lines have moved. Uh, So I don't sweat that that movement by any means. You know, if I think I have an edge on the side, if it moves from minus 140 to minus 150, I'm not worried about it. Uh, You know, if it gets out of reach, like in a basketball game, you know, four or five points, uh, obviously that shows some sort of strength, but then it's kind of weighing whether or not it's moved too much. And now there's value on that other side. So uh, I think to answer your question, I I don't necessarily – obsessed with that by any means um, but certainly would love to get a favorable line if the the movement's in my favor.
1: Right on so um, I assume you're talking like daily sports right now Uh, what about football like a sport that only has one game a week are you trying to get in early in the week are you waiting to see maybe uh, how the line moves or like around what time in the week are you throwing down your major bets?
4: Yeah yeah that's a a really good question I would say midweek definitely take a glance you know when I'm going over the waiver wire on my fantasy fantasy squad and then might as well peep those lines for next week. Um, definitely like to see a little bit of movement in the NFL more than anything else, just with you know more bets on, on those specific games um, and the public really loving uh, football rather than the 162-game grind of baseball. Uh, I think there's a little bit more value to find uh, on fading the public in the NFL. Um, but we'll obviously see with, the, with this season, what, eight days away, nine days away?
1: Yeah, can't yeah. wait. baby. Yeah,
4: that's something that we touched on in many episodes last season—the
1: whole fading the public issue. I don't know if you guys remember when Scott Van Pelt was talking about it, and people went after him, like, "Oh, that's a dinosaur-like tactic, fading the public, this and that." But I always believe in it too. So, what are your thoughts on the people that are like, "No, that—that's outdated strategy"?
4: Yeah, you know, I think uh, ever talking in absolutes is is never a good idea. So, I won't blindly fade the public or not. Um, you know, definitely like to glance to see where money's at versus tickets. Um, but again, that's not going to be the only reason why I bet a game that can sway me one way or the other. Um, but I think you know, if we're talking about when to fade the public, you know, talk about like your Super Bowls, your your big games, your Monday Night Football when. You know, a lot of squares are betting just because that's the only thing on that night. Um, so I think there's a little bit more value there, assuming you know you haven't kind of missed that movement already uh, of that line. So
2: when did you get Jeff to the point where you thought that you were, you were kind of more? into the sports gambling than the average person. I think everybody, you kind of have those friends that are like, I bet the game last night, blah, 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 you know, it's just picking teams, blah, blah, blah. But when did you kind of find out, hey, there's a whole other world to this where it's, you know, line movements and money lines and spreads and stuff like that. When did you kind of get to that point where you were like, all right, I'm kind of better than other people at this? Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'd say, moment.
4: yeah, yeah, amen. Uh, probably in the the early 20s uh, when I was the young man who bets, you know, before really <laughs> coming into my own here as the old man who bets. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's the type of thing where, you know, very data driven. Uh, you know, I work in digital marketing as a full time gig and, and that's all analyzing trends and, and numbers left and right. So being able to com- combine that with, you know, not CPMs, but rather sports. Uh, was always been something I was just kind of been naturally gravitating towards, and I think you know you can pretty quickly tell when uh, you know you're talking to your buddy and they know what they're talking about or don't, and you always have that one friend who's just such a great fade, you know, you're a mush of the crew, um, and if ever, I'm never going to fade the public blindly, but I've got a couple of buddies where you know they'll be on one team and I'll just auto auto pick the other,
1: <laughs> the mush, right, the oh, mush yeah. of the crew, oh,
4: yeah,
2: I'm glad I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned your uh, your name. Old Man Who Bets. You guys can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Old Man Who Bets. How'd you come up with that? I love it.
4: Yeah. um, So I was sitting, uh, one of my longtime buddies, uh, the great Fusini on Twitter. Um, We went to high school together. We worked together. Uh, We're sitting there. We're like, hey, we're pretty good at this digital marketing thing. We think we're pretty good at betting. Uh, Let's see what we can do. And um, so I had to come up with a moniker, obviously. Uh, Old Man Who Bets is kind of a derivative of uh, assorted nicknames I've had growing up. Uh, and then there was a little bit of added incentive, you know, when you look on Twitter, uh, obviously gambling Twitter is, is the best of times. It's the worst of times, depending on your last three-day win or loss streak. And, you know, the guys that are super, you know, loud uh, certainly get a lot of that, that feedback in their face when they're not doing well. So, you know, kind of coming into the... Uh, the Twitter world lightly. I was coming up with a a moniker that I didn't think people would tell me to fuck off here and fuck off there. (laughs) And so, you know, the original avatar obviously was an anonymous account until CBS called uh, and then had a pretty big decision to make, you know, like, am I going to take this a little bit more seriously or continue just posting pics? And nonetheless, once I came out as a younger man who bets, uh, (laughs) but still the old man who bets, of course, you know, you do get some of those people who, uh, who are a little bit more aggressive, uh, because they're not, you know, telling, a, again, an 80 year old who's with his <laughs> cane and just trying to enjoy some sports betting. Get uh, off my lawn. Go, yeah, to go pound sand. So. I just want to bet a better teaser. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, now, you said CBS. Do you want to talk more about how that happened? They found you, or what was, what, how did that come? Yeah, on?
4: yeah. So, super grateful for that opportunity. Um, you know, I've been a featured expert for a little while over on Blitz Predict. Um, way more active with the Blitz Pod, as you guys already called out. Um, but essentially, they were looking for New York based handicappers uh, to appear. On their, uh, what was it called? Uh, the sports desk on the nightly Saturday Night News. So they reached out to uh, the CEO of uh, let's Predict. Shout out to, to Brett. Um, and he hit me up via oldmanwhobets at gmail.com. If you need to reach me, you can get me there. It's not particularly active, but uh, I might respond. Anyway, he hits me up. He's like, hey, old man, um, <laughs> you know, this opportunity came by from this producer, Mike. Shout out to Mike for obviously believing in me and giving me some reps here. Um, and you know we don 't know anything about you, but if you want to come on sometime, like we'd love to discuss an opportunity. so next thing you know he 's like, "All right, give me you know three lines. It was like week three that you 'd like to talk about you know i 'm sitting in my room and'm like my boxer's in a tank top <laughs> i 'm waiting for this producer to call and um Next thing you know, Facetime, and I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go!" So I declined that call quickly, like put on some real clothes, <laughs> and then uh, you know he had no idea what the hell to expect with me coming up. I could have been an 80 year old guy, It could be you know whatever, um, and here I am, uh, you know, 28 year old who loves sports betting. Uh, so I think they were pumped about that, and that you know I'm able to to speak articulately from time to time when I'm not slamming uh, delicious El Dorado beers uh, from <laughs> 902 Brewery. Um, you know, that, that like, you know, phone interview essentially went pretty well. I uh, had a couple dry runs. was certainly way more nervous being in front of the camera the first couple times, like sweating through my shirt and whatnot. Uh, but they said I did okay, and then they invited me back, and, and here we are.
1: All right, switching gears here, Jeff. Not only are you a sharp sports better, but you're also into the fantasy world. Let me ask you, with everything that's going on with Andrew Luck right now, is it worth drafting Jacoby
4: Brissett? Yeah, another great question there. You know, first, I think, you know, to address the Andrew Luck situation, um, you know, I'd say pretty tragic. Ultimately, um, you know, the guy, you know, he's mentally fatigued, he's physically in pain, uh, and everybody now hates him. You know, whatever he made his hundred mil, he's getting out. But you know, for him to be able to walk in twenty years, I think is pretty important, and I don't think any of us can really relate to that. Um, so good for the guy. You know, nothing but respect there. But now talking about Jacoby, uh, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, an expat. I'll never forget when he took that 35 yards uh, touchdown to the house on the QB sneak versus the Texans to win like 17-10. So the guy's got a place in my heart. Do I think he's a good fantasy asset? Probably not. Um, You know they have beefed up that line. uh, Finally, they've got pretty good receivers. You know, good tight ends. So he's got the weapons to be there. But you know the uh, the the quarterback position is just so deep that unless you're in a two QB league, I don't think you would need to roster him. Uh, even with the added kind of leg value that he brings,
2: uh, any sleepers you like this year? I mean, I, I'm a day late, unfortunately, with this. I had mine last night, so this won't really <laughs> help me out much. But maybe for the people at home,
4: yeah, sure. Um, you know, a couple guys I do like. You know, I think this guy's been getting a lot of hype, but Geronimo Al- Allison on uh, the Packers, uh, a Vayner Sports product on the on the agency side, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but things I like about him, you know, if you look at his stats, he hasn't had more than 303 uh, yards in his I think three three years in the league so far. Um, so people are like all right, whatever, but if you look at his games last year he played four games Something like four for 16 a score two for 76 no score He had I think six for 80 and the other one was in the 50 range with a couple of receptions So um, he's got a rapport with with Rogers. And I think it kind got of the bigger picture everybody's saying well You got MVS as the two uh, obviously we've got Devontae Adams who's a, a volume machine at the one um, There might not be enough mouths to feed there, but I want to take you back not to 2018 not to 2017 where Rodgers was was pretty banged up in both of those but 2015 2016 if we look at the top three receivers on both of those uh, there was plenty of, of targets to go around I think 20 2016 it was it was something like 1200 yards 800 yards 600 yards uh, but the 600 yards had a bunch of touchdowns and then in, in 2015 it was a little bit more even uh, 800 800 600 for their top three receivers but all three of those guys I think it was 8 8 and 6 on touchdowns so with a fully healthy Rodgers and uh know Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, pretty bullish on the Packers and seeing what Rodgers can do uh, in his denim, uh, denim outfits or not.
1: <laughs> the Canadian tuxedo, there yeah, you go, guys. Well, timeless. All right, let me
4: ask you, for the people out there who haven't drafted yet, me
1: included, what's your number one do and your number one don't when doing a fantasy draft?
4: Uh, great question. I think number one do is do your homework, uh, know who's playing, uh, you know, who the, who the up-and-coming sleepers are. It um, makes sure you get a couple, of, you know, mock drafts in there. You know, uh, practices everything. Prior preparation prevents poor poor performance. The five P's, I got that tatted on my back. Um, <laughs> but the number one don't I think is don't reach, don't overvalue, and don't draft a quarterback ahead of the tenth round, uh, which is a couple d- uh, don'ts on that one. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you look at people who auto draft, all their all of a sudden their team is, is super solid uh, because the the, m- the machine, the algorithm, who's who's picking for you has no bias. You know, it's so easy to reach on a guy on a team that you like. Um, or you think he's a sleeper, uh, but more often than not you'll be able to get, get a guy of that caliber probably three or four rounds uh, later And it's such a crapshoot. So being able to get guys that week in and week out can give you value um, That are going to be on the field is is super important uh, just because the, the the opportunity to hit that that home run I feel like is you know, it's it's a hundred percent in your head, but in, in reality it doesn't happen that often so I've Get the guys that'll be there week in and week out. Get the most value on the board, whatever the position is. Uh, the QBs are so deep that, you know, I just had an auction draft. I got Jared Goff for one dollar. People were paying ten bucks for for Baker Mayfield. I mean, fine, ride the hype train, but for a buck, and that's nine dollars that
2: I can then spend elsewhere. So, what about uh, what's your feelings on the uh, the big Zeke and uh, Melvin Gordon contract thing? Because yesterday Zeke went first round still, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Gordon dropped a few rounds. I want to say maybe fourth, fifth round. Someone finally took him.
4: Yeah, I mean, before last year, I would say probably still a lot of value there, but Le'Veon Bell kind of set a new precedent. Maybe we won't play, you know, until we get our money, especially with, you know, running backs are kind of a dime a dozen these days. They play for three, four years unless you're the best in the league. Um, Way less value, I feel like, than than receivers have these days in in the real world. That being said, if you asked me this yesterday, I would say take Zeke until I saw the headlines today of Jerry Jones saying that this is going to go potentially a couple weeks Um, I think Zeke is a more interesting, uh, kind of scenario in the sense that if he doesn't play this year, I believe his contract simply rolls over into next season. He'll still be making three point whatever million, uh, where Gordon not in that scenario. So he could get paid more this season. Definitely gut check me on those facts, but you know, I'd love to see Gordon get traded to the Texans. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I'm all about getting guys that are guaranteed to be on that field. Um, you know, if you've got a high pick, I I don't mind on Bell. I don't mind um, you know, David Johnson, you know, guys that obviously will go behind Zeke, um, that I think of, you know, just as good upside and will be playing, uh, come week one.
1: Another handcuff question. What about Tony Pollard? What do you think? What do you, uh what do you see so far?
4: Yeah, I mean, on the macro level, not a big handcuff guy. Uh, just so much uncertainty. Obviously, injury is one thing, um, but also just the, the handcuff scenario. Specifically, you don't even know who that next guy is going to be. If we look at last year in Denver, everybody picked up Royce Freeman. Next thing you know, it's Philip Lindsay. You're running away with things. guy you've never heard of in the preseason. We look back a couple years prior, Zeke goes down, speak the devil. Is it Alfred Morris? Is it Darren McFadden? Is it Rod Smith? I think that changed every week. So using a 10th to 14th round pick on a guy that may or or may not play within the next 10 weeks. I'd rather take a high upside guy um, who might see the field or just has a ton of potential and then try to hit the waivers uh, hard. But, you know, if you've got Zeke, you'll sleep better at night if you have that handcuff. So do I think it's a good play? No. Is it good for the mental health? Maybe.
1: (laughs) Right on, right on. All right, we're all chomping at the bit here to really bet some NFL, and we still have one more week, so we really don't have any games to break down. You guys got any big plans for the opening weekend?
4: Yeah, week one, going to be heading out to Vegas, actually, uh, which I'm pretty jazzed about, uh, spending some time with uh, the guys over at Spurts. Uh, bet Spurts, an up and coming uh, sports betting app where you can track your picks uh, as well as kind of engage in the betting community, uh, all about kind of almost like a Twitter timeline for people to post their angles, uh, encourage discussion. So, a little bit of betting picks, uh, tracking picks, holding people accountable to those records, which we know on gambling Twitter is uh, a diamond dozen, uh, as well as having that uh, that area to, to really you know gain knowledge, gain a network of individuals. Uh, so that's going to be pretty fun. Uh, a little bit of sports book. I bet we're going to make a lot of beers disappear. Rumor <laughs> has it we're playing a little top golf, so I need to put a little icy hot on the shoulders and <laughs> do a little stretching and try to figure out if I can ever hit the ball straight. But it uh, should be pretty good. What are you guys doing?
1: Old man who golfs. <laughs> uh, no big plans yet. It might just end up at a fan's little sports book. Uh- plug not intended with uh, Brock Landers over here. Oh yeah,
2: you can't beat that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Now, you're from New Jersey originally, you live in New York now. Mm-hmm. Uh, now with legalization in New Jersey, what's your feelings kind of overall on that? And overall, do you have a favorite sports book so far in New Jersey that you like, other ones you don't like? Uh, what, what's your feelings?
4: Yeah, great question. Uh, I have no allegiances at this point. Uh, open for sponsorship at left at everybody else. Um, <laughs> but I think the legalization is great, obviously, you know, good for taxation for the states if we want to get political. For a second, but I think more importantly, you know, with the bookie mantra, you know, you you're getting paid in weekly, and, and you have to obviously withdraw a week out. And I think that puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on betters, where you know you have a bad Saturday. Next thing you know, you're down a couple hundred bucks on Sunday. And uh, people don't want to be that. They chase games that they, they don't want to hit, uh, rather than only betting ones on the edge, knowing that they have to pay out a couple hundred bucks. But you know, in the sportsbook scenario, uh, even in the apps, you know, you can hold a balance. So. Uh, you load up when you want to load up, but at no point am I like, oh boy, I'm right now, I'm down 500 bucks. You know, time to chase Sunday night football. Um, so I think for for you know the savvy sharp better who's you know focused on bankroll management, uh, being able to not be held to that seven day you know payout period, you know 14 day if you have a good bookie um, is it will be big and uh, can just kind of alleviate some of that that negative pressure. Uh, just knowing how like emotional stability and uh,
2: bad bets
4: uh, are are very correlated.
2: You have a favorite sports book in Vegas that you're going to visit while you're out there.
4: Uh, I have never been to a sports book in Vegas. So, really, first time uh, trip. Yeah, I've been to Vegas before, it's oh, for wow. CES. So it didn't really count. Uh, more of a, a work excursion. There was certainly a lot of playing as well, but not enough time to to sit down and really and you know indulge in uh, in the sin of Vegas. So uh, pumped to be out there. Uh, We're gonna be meeting a bunch of the uh, the Twitter guys out there. Vegas refund, sharp Sandman, um, amongst I think maybe twenty others. Um, so hopefully we'll be going live occasionally and uh, you know, documenting some of the debaucherous individuals uh, and activities that we maybe get into after doing sober research on all of our bets, of course.
1: Very cool, man. Some of our favorite follows, as are you. Um, before we let you go, we're running out of time here. Any advice for people like us who are trying to build a brand in the sports betting industry because you've obviously done a good job doing that?
4: I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the kind words. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, kind of volume of content is huge. Um, you know, I try to put out volume every day. Um, you know, you never know what post is going to hit, what post is going to go viral, whatever it is. So, you know, the combination of being true to yourself, talking about things you know um, is huge and I think holds a lot of volume, especially with just kind of the, the inconsistent engagement that you get. And I think so many people will do it for, you know, six weeks or six months or whatever it is and then say, hey, I've got nothing. You know, guys that, um, you know, do this for, for three, four years, all of a sudden, you know, you hit that one pop, you hit that one thirty oh run, whatever it might be, obviously on the on the capping side of things. And actually now you get two more two thousand more followers, more people want to talk to you. Um, and that's huge. And I think you guys are doing a great job of networking. You know, we had the Showtime guy in uh, you know a couple weeks ago, you know, being able to just kind of have that, that that group of people to chat with. You know, especially for me on Twitter, people are asking for retweets all the time. It's like, listen, man, I don't know you. I don't know your brand. I don't know if you're good at betting. Like, all I know is that you follow me, and I'm really appreciative of that, but if you establish a relationship with me, comment on my stuff, show that you're sharp, you know, get into a couple chats with a couple guys that I know, all of a sudden, you know, we have a budding friendship or at least a, a budding something that me giving you a retweet isn't just like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, especially because any retweets we give, you know, essentially is is us putting a stamp of approval in, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that network is huge. I think that consistency is huge. Obviously great content, which you guys have, is huge. Um and then just do it,
2: do it, do it, and then do it a little bit more. Jeff, before we let you go here, any uh, particular favorite sport? We'll start there with betting-wise, anything like you really wait for. I mean, I'm sure you're going to say football, but I don't know. Maybe there's some WNBA in there or something like that. You never know. I do
4: love me some WNBA, um, you know, balling like Cheryl Swoops, but uh, (laughs) I think college basketball is probably my favorite. I've always been a basketball guy growing up. Um, I love watching the Citadel on a Tuesday night on ESPN Plus play some other garbage team as they run and gun and shoot threes all day and you know the over's at 180 of course I'm going over on that every time um, but football obviously is the popular answer I love football you know Sundays with red zone or game changer um, but from betting point of view certainly prefer uh, honestly the grind of baseball as well as you know kind of the the fun runs of uh, of March Madness and and everything before it
1: all right Jeff anything you want to plug before we let you go here
4: uh, not too much, but I you know, appreciate you guys having me on here, you know, super grateful for the opportunity, super grateful for everybody who's following and listening. Um, what about you, that
1: website? Yeah, if you like that what merch.
4: I do, uh, check me out at oldmanhootbets.com, um, you know, I don't accept tips, I don't accept any sort of payment for, for picks, uh, because I'm no longer free, so, uh, you know, I like to think I've got a shirt or an iPhone case, or a towel, or a, uh, coffee mug for everyone, um. So check it out. If you're going to give me your money, let me at least give you uh, something in return.
1: All right, guys. We've been hanging out with Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. Old Man Who Bets. You can follow him on Twitter, at Old Man Who Bets. He's a sports handicapper, fantasy guru, and beer guzzler. Look for him out in Las Vegas next week. Jeff, thanks for joining
4: us. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Great time. I hope to be back soon.
2: Thanks for coming on, Jeff.
1: All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode of the Wager Pager podcast. As always, special thanks to our guests. This week, we had Jeff Sheesby at Old Man Who Bets and James Alberino at Spread Investor. And thank you, as always, to my co-host, Brock Landers, and big shout out to the guys here at
2: Van VanVorce Films. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure to be here. Everybody out there, have a safe and wonderful Labor Day weekend. Make those bets, beat those lines, cash those tickets. Get pumped.
1: Get psyched, baby.
2: And as always, good
1: luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you.
0: Here we go. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls and text messages are confidential. The Wager Pager Podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Voorst Films, edited by Van Voorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only, these plays are not financial advice.